When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. From Learfield, welcome to Flight Report. The latest news from EWU Athletics spanning all sports, events, and key information. Fly with us. Now, here is your host, the voice of the Eagles, Larry Weir. Welcome to the Flight Report. It's our first podcast for Eastern Washington University Athletics, and we hope you enjoy these on a weekly or near-weekly basis. I'll be talking to coaches, administrators, and occasionally players each week. This week, we start with football head coach Aaron Best, director of athletics Lynn Hickey, and soccer coach Chad Bodner. But before we start talking about all things Eastern athletics, let's start out with a game recap from Eastern's 58-13 win over Central Washington last Saturday on the Inferno at Ruse Field. It didn't take long for the Eagles to strike as they got the ball to start the game, and they scored on the very first play from scrimmage. First down and 10, Gubrud out of the gun. McPherson in the backfield to his right. McPherson off a fake. They throw the slant. Simba Webster, 40, 30, 25, 20, down to the five sidelines. 10, 5, touchdown. Touchdown Eastern Washington on the first play. The Eagles got a defensive stop and scored again in the first quarter of play as Gubrud threw his second first quarter touchdown, a 10-yarder to Jace Gilder. The point after was blocked, and it was 13 to nothing. 
The Eagles got a defensive stop, and it only took them 50 seconds to score next time around, and this play put them up 20 to nothing with still better than four minutes remaining in the first quarter. First and 10, Eastern at the 13 of Central Washington. Trips to the right, Gubrud from the gun, handed off on the left side. It's McPherson, 10-5, into the end zone, touchdown. Touchdown Eastern Washington, Sam McPherson on a stretch play to the left side. Early in the second quarter, Central scored to cut the lead to 20-7, but the Eagles came back. A seven-play, 63-yard drive was capped with this spectacular catch in the end zone. One receiver split either way, and they will throw it out on the right side, and that is a diving catch in the end zone for a touchdown by Johnny Edwards, the fourth. Gubrud then threw his fourth touchdown pass of the first half of play, finding Henderson Belk from three yards out, and Eastern had a 34-7 lead. Central cut it to 34-13 at the intermission and had a chance to get closer after the Eagles failed to recover a squib kick down the field. The second half was all Eastern Washington as they shut out Central. They stopped him on the first drive, and then the first drive of the second half ended the same way the first drive in the first half ended with a Gubrud touchdown to Webster. Gubrud from the gun, looking to the right side, has all day, fires the ball deep, back corner of the end zone, leaping, grab Webster, touchdown! Touchdown Eastern Washington! Simba Webster hauls in his second receiving touchdown of the ball game. Roldan Alcabendis followed with his 47-yard field goal, and then in the fourth quarter, touchdown runs by Dennis Merritt and Tameric Pierce gave the Eagles their 58-13 victory. Gage Gubrud completed 19-23 passes for 337 yards and five touchdowns. Simba Webster had 10 of those catches for 212 yards and two scores. Sam McPherson had 15 carries for 185 yards and a touchdown in the best rushing game of his career. The Eagles had their fifth biggest total offense game in school history with 677 yards and they averaged nearly 11 yards per play in the ball game. Eastern's 1-0 on the season heading into this Saturday's game at Northern Arizona. Pre-game show starts at 3 and the kickoff just after 4 o'clock here on the Eagles Radio Network from Learfield. And that's your flashback to Eastern's 58-13 win over Central Washington. Time now to hear from Eagle head coach Aaron Best. All right, Coach, going back to the win over Central on Saturday, we'll talk about a couple of things you want to improve on, but just at the start, I didn't see a 58-13 to type game coming, a 45-point win over a team that's, uh, you know, was in the preseason ranked in the top 10 in their division. Yeah, you know, obviously we, we played really well uh, for game one. Um, all three facets were clicking. Uh, there's still obviously, like you say, some things that uh, need to be worked on. Uh, but most of the things that we felt after watching the game on video were things we could control. We can control holding on to the football better. Uh, we can control uh, the penalties aspect a bit better. Uh, and then on special teams, just being ready for those situational special teams moments uh, where we're, we're, we've got to be uh, more proactive and less reactive to, to things. And so uh, we've talked about that and we'll keep addressing that as we go forward. But uh, real, real proud of our bunch against a, a fabulous team. Again, an undefeated regular season team last year in Central Washington. Um, bringing back their quarterback that's really familiar with us, uh, his old stompy grounds. And I, I think we, we, we did a lot of really, really good things. And now the challenge is to, to be the standard of what we did and raise the standard. And that's hard to do when you play uh, pretty well in your first game. But we can't rest on our laurels. Uh, we all understand that. And great teams um, don't necessarily look in the past, uh, but also don't look in the future. They, 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 they deal with a task at hand. And, and uh, uh, it was good to get that under the belt. We played uh, very energized. That was, that was the, the main thing uh, that I felt was, was really existent or existing on Saturdays from the start to the end, there was a lot of energy. Special teams, offense, defense, coaches, trainers, 
strength staff. I mean, everybody was energized, uh, fans included. And so that, that was fun to see because a lot of times in those games, things kind of tail off. And you kind of feel like you're kind of sleepwalking the latter part of those games uh, that we've been a part of in the past. And I thought our guys did a really good job staying focused, uh, staying mentally sharp, and, and, and executing uh, with a ton of energy for, uh, for the entire 60 minutes. Offensively, nine scores in the game, eight touchdowns, fifth most total offense, uh, total offensive yards uh, at 677, I think it was. I mean, really, you guys did whatever you wanted offensively. You know, we did. We, we had a really good day at the office, and not every day is going to be the same. Um, some days are going to be harder than others, uh, whether you play at home, uh, whether you play on the road, uh, different defenses, different schemes, uh, guys uh, available or unavailable in games. Uh, variables are going to change uh, the outcome of some of those uh, some of those things offensively. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't think anybody saw this coming. Uh, we're obviously happy with the outcome, but going in, uh, we, we certainly certainly respected. Uh, understood what their defense had, given up 87 yards per game, I think, on average last year. And uh, it's a testament to those guys up front. We're going to lean on those guys, tackle to tackle. And when the tight ends are in, the tight end to tight ends. Uh, but we got a special set of uh, backs back there. We got a stable of backs that are pretty darn good, um, even without the luxury of having Antoine Custer on Saturday. So uh, we feel pretty good about that. And like Co Coach Reader says all the time to the guys, is and kind of what we've said around here before, is, is the run will set up the pass. It, a lot of people think the pass sets up the run. Well, now all of a sudden your RPO game and your play-action pass game and your screen game is much better because you can move the ball, handing off the ball. Uh, and so uh, we'll, we'll continue to build on that. Uh, but we got a, a slew of veterans in the run game uh, from the tight end, tackle, guard, center, and running back position. Uh, and so uh, and, and we'll, we'll still continue to use a quarterback run, run phase in our, our run game as well. But if, if it's not broke, let's not fix it. So let's not try to force a square peg and a round hole and add the quarterback dimension in when we don't need it. And so uh, we'll continue to explore as we, we game plan going further, but uh, real proud of those guys up front. And collectively, you don't have long runs unless you block downfield. So don't forget about the receivers downfield that block their tails off uh, because the big runs don't happen without those guys blocking downfield. So uh, it was a, it was 11, 11 person effort and I was real, real, real proud of those guys on Saturday. First half, you get five touchdowns. You don't hold on to the ball very long, uh, so they're able to control the time of possession about 19 minutes to 11. But in the second half, a little longer drives, you guys had the edge in time of possession. So did that help the defense? Because the defense didn't give up very much in the second half. It was under 100 yards. Yeah, you know, the defense played incredibly well, uh, especially in the second half. Uh, when you see three quarters of a four-quarter game being zeros uh, on the scoreboard, uh, that's pretty amazing no matter who you're playing. Uh, can we carry that to the road because defense run game got to travel? Uh, that, that's the question to be answered this weekend and uh, going forward. Uh, but, uh, you know, time of possession is kind of a, 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 a kind of a tricky one depending on who you play, depending on the conditions that are, that are out there on Saturday. Um, that, that there's some variables that are going to that are going to tweak that time of possession phase. At the end of the day, we're looking at score per drive. So no matter how long you are on a drive, is how many points do you average per drive? So if we can maximize our points per drive over the course of a season, uh, time of possession probably won't mean a whole bunch because you could hold the ball from 20 to 20 and not get zero points, but call yourself time of possession kings. Uh, at the end of the day, it's about 
scoring more than the opponent. And if that means we hold on the, the, to the time of possession uh, for 31 minutes and uh, win 31-29, or we're on the other side 29-31, to uh, that that's not something we're going to pride ourselves on because our offense is a no huddle offense. And so uh, when you have one one score drives, one would argue, hey, you could get to the same result in a 10 play sequence. Well, you're not guaranteed because there's more mistakes over a 10 play sequence that could happen as opposed to a one play. So the start of that game was fantastic. Uh, we're never going to turn one play t touchdown drives down. There's no such thing as scoring too fast uh, because at the end of the day, it's about getting to the end zone, and that's the hardest thing to do offensively. All right, now some things that need to be worked on. Obviously, three turnovers and a minus two turnover uh, margin. That's something that you want to see turn around. And then there were a few penalties. But on the first game, I think everybody gets penalties. Yeah, you know, and the penalties that we got, there were a couple, uh, a couple uh, mental error penalties, but most of them were physical error penalties where the guys were trying really hard. They were, they were, they weren't because they were giving lack of effort. It was almost they were giving too much effort, if that makes sense. And so. Uh, those are things I'd rather tone guys down than ramp guys up. They played with a high motor, and sometimes the, you, you got too aggressive or you did some things out of character, but it wasn't an effort-driven penalty. It was a technique-driven penalty, which we can correct. The mental ones are the ones that are the hardened ones. When we jump uh, in a situation on offense or we line up incorrectly, uh, those are the things we want to steer away from. But uh, by no means uh, do we want to play uh, very uh, timidly worrying about if there's going to be a flag thrown or not. So uh, the turnovers and the penalties are, are two things that we'll continue to work on. Uh, that, that's, that's always going to be something, no matter if it's 2018 or 2028, those are always going to be earmarks going into a week. Uh, and and we, we've got to become a more uh, conditioned team from using the effort we're doing and also executing with technique in those moments. Uh, but uh, again, I'm not going to fault those guys because effort penalties are, are situations we, we I'm willing to live with as opposed to non-effort penalties and the mental mental aspect of that. I think there were four true freshmen that were uh, maybe on the list to play. We saw Trey Weed. I don't think we saw the other three guys. But just because a guy is eagle shirting, as we've said before, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get in the game because you may not have needed him that game. Uh, but you may have a need in a later game. And you, why burn the four games? Uh, you know, in a, in a meaningless situation. But is that the kind of the situation? You had four guys at this point in time, and, and, and we saw Weed on, on Saturday. Well, we felt, er, and Coach, <clears throat> Coach Pulver put uh, Trey in early on punt return after I think Zach's first punt return uh, in the game. And uh, it's a testament to Trey that he's put himself in position to be trusted in that manner. And we felt it was, it was early was better. Instead of waiting, as we all do, let's, you know, wait to put a guy in the game a lot of times that never manufactures if the game doesn't play out a certain way and so uh, I think he had four uh, or five returns or at least uh, four or five uh, catches uh, in, in the punt return aspect of things uh, he was the only one that did see the field uh, at this time and, and again we still have three more to play with with him uh, but if he continues to progress that's when we're going to have to turn the page and decide okay do we want to get him to a fifth or do we want to shut him down but we need we, we, we need some evaluation tools to see if that's if that's a go or not and not wait to the bitter end when we're in need because if he makes us better uh, no matter who he is then let, let's let's get him reps uh, to can you continually progress throughout the season because a lot of times uh, if you give reps early you can make corrections and be better off for it in the end.
he just looks weed different with the ball in his hands. Like just there's an explosion waiting to happen. Well, when when we recruited Trey, uh, there was a lot of people that that uh, didn't agree with us putting him on defense first uh, and foremost. And so he's a guy that that's got a lot of tools. He's a Swiss Army knife in terms of being able to play multiple positions on both sides of the ball. Uh, and he is dynamic with the ball in his hands, and he's only going to get more dynamic as his as as his career unfolds. Um, we felt it's necessary. Our our outlook when we put when we have players that are argued about by coaches playing on both sides is to start them on defense first uh, because that's where we got to make a statement that we can all, always fill in the holes on offense and uh, at this point we feel good about his progression on the defensive side of the ball I mean heck he could be a two-way player by the end of his career who knows um, so it, it's good arguments to have because um, the more positions you play, the more resourceful you can be, the more value you bring to the table. And so uh, the, 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 he's going to be a head turner by the end of his career, and uh, he's got a good start to that uh, as of last Saturday. Northern Arizona, you knew they were going to be good uh, coming into the season, uh, and they go on the road and beat an FBS team by three touchdowns. And so that's an impressive uh, result. I don't care uh, who the FBS team is. Yeah, you know, and a lot of times if you don't see a game, you see a score, and sometimes the score isn't indicative of how the game went. Uh, this score was. Uh, they got a turnover early uh, on the plus side of UTEP's uh, field, and so the offense got on track early with a, with a turnover caused by an interception caused by the defense and, uh, on, on a ball thrown put the offense in the, on the plus territory, and they scored in the ensuing drive. And so they have a veteran quarterback that's really good. Uh, they have a receiver that's back from a red shirt last year that's really good. Uh, they got an offensive line that, that works together, a run game that mixes well with their uh, with their RPO and, and, and uh, uh, play action element of things, and they've got a very experienced defense. And with that defense, they have active people up front. They got very solid linebacking crew, and they got an above-average secondary that, that makes you that, that will test you. They will play man, they will be in your face, uh, and they will present uh, problems to our receivers uh, in press and, and those types of things. So uh, we we are in for uh, we are in for a dogfight this weekend. Uh, it will be at their place, uh, so advantage them early. And uh, again, when you face experienced, talented hungry folks, we've got to bring the same thing to the table. And, uh, and they, they put it on display this last weekend uh, in El Paso, and they, 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 they controlled the game from start to finish. Emmanuel Butler, he was a guy two years ago that you had some success with. He's going to get his catches. He's just too good. You can't completely shut him down. Uh, but do you try to, to contain him as much as you can? Is that the strategy? Well, you know, I, th I think it's a little early to, to determine our strategy being Monday morning. Um, as we go forward, but we'll develop some schemes. Uh, we'll, we'll get in certain situations to uh, throw them off. Uh, Mr. Cook is, is going to have other weapons he can go to uh, without a manual out there. They move uh, Mr. Butler around, uh, which great offensive coordinators and offensive minds do to put him in positions, to get him on safeties, to play him outside, to motion him, to get him uh, touches. Uh, and so he's a big receiver. He's a physical receiver. Uh, he, he runs well. Um, he's, he's going to do some things after college football, uh, still with pads on. Uh, we all know that. So uh, like you said, Larry, he, he is a good player. You're not going to stop him. Our, our, our duty and responsibility is to contain him, to tackle him when he gets the ball and don't let him have yards after catch. Uh, and so if we can minimize those chunk plays from a big-time receiver, uh, then we give ourselves a chance. 
running the ball. They also have two really good running backs. So like Eastern, they're a team that you just can't play the pass. You've got to be able to play the run against these guys too. Well, you know, and it goes without saying, any offensive scheme that is really good, they're not just really good in one and not good in the other. They're really good at both. And the mixture of both allows you to kind of toy with safeties, uh, to start getting those guys to kind of nibble on the run a little bit more, uh, to bite on some play action, uh, to get involved in the in the, the, the run-pass option game. And then all of a sudden you get those safeties out of the mix and you start taking shots downfield with those, those receivers. Uh, it, 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 it is. I mean, it's kind of a dilemma, and it's a guessing game. And so Coach Sowers has done a great job there forever. Uh, they, they've, they've got a quarterback that can run uh, their system to, 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 the, to the utmost perfection. Um, he's not a guy that's probably going to beat you with his feet a ton, uh, but he's got, again, some guys around him that can beat you once he gets the ball to him. Uh, the run game has always been good, and he's always been uh, very sound in the run game up front and uh, with the, the running backs. And again, you talk about two individuals that can run the ball. As long as you have a guy behind the line that can do that, it doesn't matter really who's in front of him. Because I'm a firm believer in, in the best run games are the best running backs, not necessarily the best offensive lines. Um, um, and so um, that, that it's important to know because those guys are explosive. That are uh, the, those guys sitting next to, to Case uh, in the backfield. That they can uh, they can go the distance uh, if you give them if you give them a sliver. Again, it's Monday morning. Uh, they've in the past been a three-man defense front, the odd man front. Is that what the, you're going to be looking at again this year? Well, uh, you know, Andy's uh, been around the block for a long time. Um, he's not scared. He's not fearful uh, in terms of employing four-man fronts, three-man fronts, moving and stemming, uh, twisting, uh, and trying to create plays for those guys up front. He's not going to be stagnant. That's not who he is. Um, he's going to be an in-your-face type of guy. Those guys are going to press the outside receivers. Uh, you're going to get multiple looks on the offensive line. You've got to be dialed into your protections uh, and understand where guys are coming from, uh, where they're located pre-snap and where they may be post-snap. Uh, he will try to create confusion uh, with those guys up front. He's done a great job of that uh, throughout his tenure uh, at Northern Arizona. Uh, he's a former defensive player, so he's got a great defense of mind uh, and so uh, it, it's always uh, it's always interesting it's always fun it's always challenging when you go against an Andy Thompson coach defense uh, but he will he will challenge us they will bring pressure uh, and we will expect them to bring pressure uh, and put the uh, put the onus on their defensive backs who, who are probably uh, their best uh, their best tier of that defense so uh, again when you want to when, when you want to ride your dudes you 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 go into a week saying, okay, we're going to challenge you, and this is how we're going to challenge you. We're going to get in the quarterback's face. We're going to try to make things miserable and get Gage off of his uh, mark, and, and, and therefore we're going to try to allow you to make plays, be able to drive on routes, uh, get the ball off quick, and so we've got to do our, our, our best to give quarterback just another quarter second, half second uh, to, be, to be able to feel comfortable in the pocket. All right, Coach, congratulations on a great win. Uh, thanks for the time, and good luck Saturday. Thanks, Larry. It's always a pleasure. The Eagles will be on the road for the next two weeks as this week they will play at Northern Arizona. It's a matchup of two top 20 teams as Eastern is ranked 5th and 6th and NAU is 18th and 20th in the two major FCS polls. You can listen to this game starting with the pregame at 3 and the kickoff just after 4 on the Eagle Radio Network from Learfield. Then a week from Saturday, the Eagles look to repeat one of their biggest regular season victories ever as they play at Washington State in Pullman. Eastern beat the Cougars 45-42 in 2016. That game will start at 5 o'clock. 
The next home game is Saturday, September 22nd as the Eagles host Cal Poly on Hall of Fame Day. You can go to GoEags.com and click on the ticket link to get your tickets for this game. You can also register for the Hall of Fame breakfast that morning. Just go to GoEags.com, click on Fan Zone, then on Hall of Fame, and follow the link on the upper right side of the page. We continue on this week's flight report with Director of Athletics Lynn Hickey. It was a great Saturday, Lynn, uh, against Central Washington, a tremendous uh, opening game for the football team. Uh, it was it was outstanding. And uh, that being my first football game, what a great way to start. Um, I had a great time. I had, you know, I everybody had told me what it was going to be like with, with the lots filling up and the RVs parking. Um, but until you see it, I don't think you really understand it. So I was very impressed, very impressed with our staff, how hard everybody worked. We don't have a huge staff. But there was a, a lot of collaboration between our staff, the university facility staff, and, and it went pretty flawless. Uh, the team played outstanding, you know, and you never know in those situations where you're the top dog and, um, you know, a team that you're supposed to beat comes in, and they're a really good team. You don't know what's going to happen, but our guys were really ready to play. So that's kudos to the kids and to the coaching staff to have them prepared. Scheduling is a tough thing. Uh, I think at Eastern uh, for football on a good year. Um, this central game kind of came together at the last minute, so it was wonderful to be able to get it. Uh, the twenty uh, the twenty nineteen schedule, uh, you know, is is missing a game or two. So how hard is it, especially just a year ahead of time and not three or four years ahead of time, uh, to fill when you've got only a certain amount of teams who maybe can play a road game, a certain amount of teams who have dates available on dates Eastern has available. Yeah, it, it's, um, it's a real balancing act at times because you're looking at trying to really give a good home and away balance to your team. You're also at times looking at financial things. So, you know, in order to get this fifth game, we, we had to buy this game. We had to buy them out of another game. And, uh, but we felt it was extremely beneficial for our kids to start off at home, and we did not want to play another game on the road. Um, so it, it worked out well, and it was a, you know, a local school, so we felt that there'd be a little bit of a rivalry. Um, so, but yeah, we're, we're going to be okay for the upcoming years. This, this last year, I mean, it was uh, April, May, and we were still digging. And we work with a service um, that has every game in America at every level on, on a, a, a sheet, and, and there just wasn't anybody available. Um, us and Sacramento State were in the same boat. And for a while, we thought we were going to play each other and we're going to try to do it at a, at a neutral site. That didn't work out, so they had to end up buying a game. We had to buy a game. But it was just an unusual thing that it was that late in the, in the year before anything had been done. This next year, we're going to be okay. And I, I think, you know, we'd really got, like to get to the point that we have a couple of years where we have six home games and, and uh, can really treat our fans to that. But a lot of it is, you know, we, we need some guarantee games. We need a, you know, going to Florida, that's a, that's a big game financially. We need that kind of cash also to put into the coffers so that we can support the program. Uh, one other thing that uh, there are two uh, subjects, I think, that you're finding out that, that fans are pretty passionate about here at Eastern. One is the scheduling piece, and then the other is the stadium piece. Right. And uh, a little bit of new information has come out on this on this stadium piece. What can you tell us about it today? Well, I, we um, <clears throat> excuse me. We uh, have hired. We have started. A, the university has put out what you call an RFP, RFQ. To it's a request for proposal from architectural firms. Uh, there has been a de uh, um, a decision that we're going to renovate the stadium, 
And so the first step is to get an architectural firm in and to go through a whole process where you really do interviews with a variety of constituents on what do we need, what do we want to have in the stadium. We know a dollar amount that we need to stay around because you can't um, you can't propose something that you don't even have the the um, the history of fundraising to support, um, and this has to be a fundraising thing. It, the 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 university cannot build this. We have to build this with outside funds. And if people will research what's happened at other stadiums, that's that's how you do it. You do it with donations and sponsorships and a naming's rights. So. So we are, have started step one, and uh, as soon as we pick the firm, then uh, we will start having, they, they will run the meetings and they will put focus groups together. And our, our hope is that by playoff time or at the latest, uh, the first of the year that we have a design plan that we can be showing people and starting to sell. Um, there's gonna be naming opportunities. We'll put together a fundraising plan. Um, the university is also going through a feasibility study right now to see if there should be a capital campaign for the university. If that occurs, which we, we think it will a year from now, and if we find out from the feasibility study that this that the stadium renovations is something that everyone will support, then that will be a, a, a piece of the capital campaign for the university. But regardless, we're going to go forward. We, we need to do something. and. Um, you know, and, and uh, so this is step one. We're very excited and uh, have had six or seven really good firms that have put in their proposals. We're, matter of fact, we're having a meeting this afternoon to kind of narrow that down. So, um, yeah, the, the, the fall is going to be busy, and uh, we'll, we'll have something drawn up to show the fans in, in a pretty quick amount of time. So i got to stick my reporter's hat on here now a little bit because of the statement you made early on there saying this is going to happen. We've seen two or three uh, design plans that haven't gone through. So uh, this is something that will happen as long as money can be raised for it now? Yeah, no, this is going to happen, but it's got to be realistic. We, we can't, uh, you know, if you, if you don't have a history of fundraising, if you don't have a really huge donor base, then you can't go out and build a $100 million deal. There's, you, you've got to look at the bond capacity, the debt capacity that you can have. So it's got to be a realistic thing to do. But yes, we have got to make uh, improvements in the stadium. We've got to address some student-athlete welfare issues in the training room, the dressing room, uh, the weight room. Uh, and if, if we truly want to win conference championships and we want to be a contender for a national championship, this has to be addressed. But what everybody's got to understand, this is something that we're all going to have to chip in together to make happen. And it will be small gifts, medium gifts, large gifts, but it's going to have to be something that comes from the fan base uh, in order for this to, to, to actually be built. Well, it's definitely exciting news. It's something I know fans will be uh, uh, really excited about. Uh, I mean, do you have any timetable if everything went well and uh, there were no problems and donors stepped up quickly to the plate? I mean, is this something to be done in two, three, four years? I, I think so. I, you know, I haven't built anything on this campus yet. Coming from the University of Texas system, oh my goodness, you know, it took a year to design, a year to do this, a year to that. But I, I would hope that um, that once you get the design, and, and this will be a pre-design, the, the president has set a uh, aside a tremendous amount of money for us to do full design. So once you get this first design and go out, then there would be a full design. So that would probably take this year. And then once the design is done, if you can show that you have the funding available to kick off 
the actual building, then we can go forward. But it's going to be based on, on when we can show that we have a good financial plan and that the money is there ready to flow in. Well, that's uh, great news for all Eagle fans today then uh, on this podcast. I'm glad that we were able to, to <laughs> chat about that and, and let people know about that. Uh, let's talk about some of the other sports because there's a lot of, of anticipation, not only for football, but for soccer. Uh, they've had uh, a, a decent start to their season, 2-2-1 two, two so far. Um, you know, they had a tough schedule. Now they go on on the road. Uh, but this is a team that's expected to win the Big Sky and get back to the postseason for the third straight year. Yeah, they're 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 doing well, and they, they uh, they're young. And I, I I'm not um, not a soccer expert. I'm a basketball coach. But when I go out and watch them, and you know, a number of our games here, we have more than tripled shots at goal from the other team. We just we just didn't finish it. And I think. And in visiting with the coaches and some former players, it's just a matter of rhythm and everybody really getting to know each other so that you can finish and actually get it in the goal. That's hard for a former basketball coach just to, to watch that going up and down the field. Put it in the goal. Uh, but, no, they're going to be great. Uh, they, they just have, a, they have like 18 freshmen. It's an unbelievably young group. But the next couple weeks, if they can kind of get the rhythm and get to know each other, they're, they're definitely going to be a contender for a championship once again. And they'll be back home again on the 16th of September as they're going to be on the road here for the next uh, week or so uh, with three different matches. Volleyball is a, a crew. Uh, uh, Leslie Flores-Cloud was hired uh, uh, just a couple or three months ago, and I think they've had a better start than anybody could imagine, 5-2 and two heading into this weekend's tournament at East Carolina. Yeah, we had a tremendous turnover of, of student-athletes in that program, and it was a little bit in turmoil. And uh, Leslie came in and took on the challenge, and lo and behold, the first tournament they go to, they win the tournament. Um, didn't have those expectations. She's got a lot of injuries. They still, like they beat Louisiana Tech twice last weekend. Um, and I... They've got four kids out just with concussions, and she's been able to pull it off. Just a dynamic young coach, and the kids are really bought in, and I think the kids have a lot to prove. So, uh, you know, we uh, are really looking forward to seeing what they can do in conference play, but I think they're going to be a very pleasant surprise. We've got cross-country going. We have a brand-new cross-country coach. They've had their first meet, and he um, they're not at a point yet where they're really running their fastest for time, but he said they really responded well, and they really ran as a team which in cross country is a huge thing uh, on how you got to run as a group. So they had a good start, and I'm very, very impressed with Sam and, and what he's going to be able to bring to the program. And then we've got school starting before too long. Is it going to be good to have students back on campus? And for the athletes, is it good to have their fellow students back on campus? Yeah, this is, this is really strange for me. I've never been on a quarter system before. So to have this break and everybody else around the country is in a routine and our kids are still – you know, we've got those three teams here, and they're just kind of hanging out with themselves and practicing. So it's going to be a little bit of a shock when all of a sudden your routine starts and you've got to go to class every day and practice. But I think everybody's really ready for it. I would love to have the students here. I think one of the things that we were most proud about at the, at the game on Saturday is we had 850 students check in to attend the game. So that's really, really cool to see that level of student support. So how fun will it be when everybody gets back on campus? But, yeah, anxious to get the new year started. We've got a lot of meetings um, this next week with staff, and uh, we're going to have a welcome back barbecue and some orientation meetings for our students when they get here the next week. So, yeah, we're ready to go. 
Next home game for the football team will be uh, with students back on campus uh, uh, 22nd of September. It's also Hall of Fame Day, and you haven't had a chance to go through one of these here, but it's one of my favorite times of the year uh, where a, a handful of former athletes and a, a former volleyball team will be able to uh, be enshrined into the school Hall of Fame, and I think you'll really enjoy it. It's, it's a fun day. No, I, and what an honor when your, your former university uh, wants you to come back and, and for you to be recognized in a, in a place of honor. So it's always a, a great event to bring people back and to, it's, it's gonna be like a big reunion. So I'm looking forward to it. I think we're talking about next year, um, even making it a bigger event by, by potentially moving it to a Friday night and having a really nice dinner and, and trying to do even a little bit more for the honorees. So, uh, but I, it'll be fun this year to watch and to see how it is and to meet these people. I, there's a lot of people I've got to meet. Uh, so to go back in history and to meet some of these former athletes will, will be a, a great experience. You've been on the job now for about seven months, uh, counting your interim time here. So, I mean, are you starting to adjust finally, not only to the school, but to the weather and everything else? Yeah, I, I, uh, uh, and I, I technically say I've been here about four months, I wouldn't, the first three I wouldn't count. Uh, it's a little bit different experience, uh, but no, everybody's been great. Um, we've got a lot of things to do. I'm still, you know, I, I, th I wanna be real careful and not coming in in the, the first few months and trying to change everything. And so watching, we're certainly making suggestions. We've certainly done some things a little bit differently, but really wanna use this year to look at where we're at and then toward, after the first of the year, really start working on a strategic plan where we, we have a good sense of what our values are and, and what our message is gonna be moving forward. Um, so a little bit more time, but um, have been able to add some staff and so to get all of them acclimated and, and really working as a team. I think what a, a lot of times we forget, in order for all those teams on the field and the court to compete, we first have to have a really good team administratively and staff-wise, or it doesn't happen. And sometimes there's a tendency to jump over and just want to get into the, the playing teams and you forget there's got to be a team to build the teams. And so uh, we'll work real, real hard on that, but the, everyone's been great to work with. Um, it's a really strong foundation here, really good people, um, and we just want to continue to elevate the program. Did I miss anything you want to uh, chat about with the folks today? No, I just, I had one guy stop and say, uh, stop me when I was walking the tailgates and say, so why are we playing Montana? Uh, <laughs> and that's just something we don't have control over. Uh, you know, we've got an uneven number of uh, teams in the conference. And from what I understand, when, uh, when North Dakota left, then they tried to balance everything and come up with, uh, you know, your closest regional partners and all that, and Idaho pops up. But there was discussion at our last meeting that this is still not good for a lot of people. A lot of people have lost their natural rivalries, uh, not people, but schools. And so I think there will be continued discussion. Is there another way out of this um, besides adding another team? Uh, and we certainly don't want to lose a team. Um, but no, we all have that goal of getting those natural rivalries back so that we have those games a little bit more consistently. But in the meantime, you know, we need, Idaho needs to be the new big school that we need to go after and we've got an opportunity this year to have them here for homecoming and we need to blow them out of this place with crowd and, and, and support so I hope everybody will really jump on on board for that game. That'll be a lot of fun coming up in uh, late October. Lynn thanks for the time and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Go Eags!
Eastern's volleyball and soccer teams are also on the road this week. The volleyball team's off to a great start as they're 5-2 so far on the season, and they're playing at the Pirate Invitational in East Carolina. They'll play the host team, plus Charlotte and Garner-Webb this weekend. The soccer team is looking for their third straight NCAA tournament appearance, and they're 2-2-1 so far on the season. They'll play at Colorado State Friday, at Denver on Sunday, and then next week at Utah State before returning home against South Dakota State next week. Flight report continues now with Chad Bodner, Eagle women's soccer coach. 2-2-1, uh, two, two probably not where you wanted to be at this point in time. It's where you are, but what do you like from your team so far? It, you know, it's a it's a group, Larry, that likes to compete. They like to win. There's a there's a solid returning class there that's won a lot of games here at Eastern. And, you know, as you see, we lost our first game at home in, in 12 games, you know, last Friday. So it's a group that knows how to win. And they, they're just trying to blend in with the younger group and kind of find all the pieces of the puzzle to get to where we need to be when the games actually are, you know, in conference and count for us that way. Uh, is, are there some growing pains with all the young players this year? And is it something that you encountered a little bit last year when you went back east. Yeah, we, we hit growing pains last year. I mean, we started two and three last year. We had to really reset and look at things and go, okay, what are we doing well and what are we not doing well? And and then how do we take the good and, and make it all good? You know, so we're kind of doing the same thing. We're two, two and one. There's no need to panic or, you know, be disappointed. I, I think if we looked at it, we'd like to be four and one right now instead of two, two and one. But, you know, at the end of the day, we ran into a couple good opponents and there's going to be some growing pains. There's There's a lot of young kids that are out there playing on the field. You knew you were going to have some holes to fill this year, some big shoes to fill. Uh, how have things looked for you so far, just leadership-wise? Well, I think, you know, we've got some some returning kids, some seniors and some juniors that, that know what needs to be done. I mean, and they, they know what it takes at the end of the day, and I think, you know, we're trying to figure all that out in terms of, you know, how do we lead this group and what makes this group click and what makes them grow and, and what makes them on a, on a regular basis be the team that they can be because I, I think it's as talented as, of a group as we've had here. But, you know, at the end of the day, we are starting with, you know, a lot of, a lot of freshmen and, and there's a lot of young on the field. So you're going to have some mistakes maybe that you don't have from the older kids. You're going to have some, some kids that are not as big as other kids that are older and, you know, they got to figure out a way to compete with the body they have until they grow into what they need to be as a junior or senior. And then on the field, you had someone like a Chloe Williams last year who had the offensive mantle and, and really embraced the fact that she was going to be the, the player that the other team marked and marked heavily. Uh, this year, have you know what's been the, the challenge uh, for you guys offensively to try to replace her situation? Well, I think we're creating a ton of chances. I mean, when you look at the shot totals that we've had, it's it's been astronomical for a Division One college game. Um, but that final piece and that finishing piece and the composure around the goal is, is what we need to find. And, and I think, you know, when you're creating the chances, I, I think, you know, not getting them, I think you can still be positive and look at it and go, okay, we're, we're creating it. We're just not finishing that last piece. Um, but if you weren't creating it, I think you'd have to worry a little bit, you know, if we're not getting any shots or not being dangerous. And I think there's times we're very dangerous. I just don't think we're creating that final, you know, that final finishing piece. All right, if we run and yell or something, we're being surrounded by a horde of bees here. So we've got bees all over us. Uh, uh, all right, Coach, let's look this weekend because you've got uh, uh, two big road matches this weekend at uh, Colorado State at Denver, and then next week you go to Utah State uh, before closing out your, your non-conference schedule against South Dakota State here. So over the next couple of weeks, what do you want to see happen from your team? I want to see us compete better. You know, I want to see us win those 50-50 balls and win the second balls and, and compete and not have to not have to be pretty because that's, you know, we talk about being a blue-collar group all the, all the time, and I, I just haven't seen that level of work that I think it takes for a, a program here to be successful. So I want to see us compete. We're going to play some good opponents in the next four games, and I think it sets us up well to go into conference and, and be ready to go.
Uh, Colorado State is the next opponent. Uh, they're a team that uh, lost to Northern Colorado, so is this a little bit of a measuring stick for you uh, just within the conference because Northern Colorado is usually pretty good? Yeah, I think Northern Colorado is going to be up there. Uh, you know, they usually are. And Tim does a good job with their program, but you know, this game's funny. It's hard to compare, you know, one team against another because the situations, whether it be the altitude or where they're playing or, you know, somebody sitting out or whatever, you can never com really compare. I think you can get a, a little bit of a taste of where everybody's at, but, you know, Colorado State's had some good results this year. They've, they've been in a lot of low-scoring games and, and kept people out of the net, and so, you know, I think we're going to have to earn that one for sure. 50 wins in your time here at Eastern. That's a great accomplishment. Two straight appearances in the NCAA tournament. That's a great accomplishment. Uh, but does happiness lead to uh, uh, contentment, which isn't necessarily the best thing for growth? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think this program, I don't think anybody would ever tell you we're content or that I'm content. I'm always probably on the opposite side of that scale of, hey, you know, we got to work harder and harder and harder. So, no, I, I don't think that's the case. I think, you know, we got a, we got a young group. And so you got to reset. I mean, we had four years of, with, with the same group and, and build it in, and, and now we've recruited, and there's kids here that are talented, and now they got to step out on the field and, and grow up and grow up fast. And, you know, they will, and I have all the faith in the world, but there's, there's definitely no, no contentment. It's, it's to work every day just like normal. But you can definitely be proud of what you've done here because you've taken the soccer team and, and completely, you know, turned this program around. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of, you know, everybody that's been here with me during the time to, to help make it happen. And, you know, even, even this year with the coaching cha uh, staff change and, and adding a, a staff member and, you know, we got to keep resetting and re rebuilding and reloading and, and just keep going. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something you're always going to be proud of. But, it, you know, there's a lot of people and a lot of kids that helped along the way to, to get me there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that coaching change because Max Weber was with you for a long time. Uh, he left for Boise State, and you were able to bring in not just one but two assistants to help out. Yeah, and and holy cow, to, to be able to get you know Pete in here after he's been a head coach at Idaho for ten years and his experience, and it, it's been a it's been a great thing. I think the kids have really enjoyed it. Um, you know, on the field, it's been great to have him around and and you know being able to add Bree which we've never had that second assistant has been it's been nice you know it takes some some of the load off of just having two people have to kind of split things and and go and share and, and do that down the pipe big sky conference any uh anything that stood out for you uh from watching other teams results throughout the uh, non-conference is there a team maybe that's might surprise or a team that maybe you thought was going to be good that maybe has had a disappointing start uh you can't ever tell because you know, the thing is, we're all playing different quality of opponents. You know, some of these schools are losing, but they're losing to Arizona States and Pac-12 schools. And so it, it, I, you'd have to really jump into it and say, who are they playing and, and why and what are they doing? I've never really been that way, to be honest with you. It's kind of we got to do what we got to do and take care of ourselves because that's the only thing we can control. Um, you know, you're, you're typical NAUs and and uh, Colorado's and Montana, I mean, they're getting some good results and I think they always will, they're a good program. So we just have to continue doing what we're doing and, and hope that we can keep pushing the bar a little bit higher every year and, and have that expectation that we want to be at the top every year. Coach, thanks for the time. Good luck here on the road. We'll catch up to you again soon here on the, uh, on the Flight Report. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Larry. You can listen to the Flight Report in many different ways. You can go to goeags.com, click on Fan Zone, then on Flight Report with Larry Ware and listen from there. If you're a regular podcast consumer, you can subscribe or just listen through most of the major podcast sites like iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. We'll be back again next week with another edition of the Flight Report, and thanks this week to soccer coach Chad Bodner, director of athletics Lynn Hickey, and football coach Aaron Best. 
Don't forget the Eagles take on Northern Arizona Saturday. Our pregame starts at 3 with kickoff just after 4 on the Eagle Radio Network from Learfield. Thanks for listening to the Flight Report. I'm Larry Weir, and go Eags! You've been listening to Flight Report, the latest news from EWU Athletics spanning all sports, events, and key information. Fly with us. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation.